I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. So glad you can be with us right now for podcast number 51 as we move into our third year. Our feature today is John McKenna from New Jersey. He'll be reading from his book, Sessions, and talking about the importance of rhythm, energy, and spontaneity in poetry. Then we'll take a look at Joyce Carol Oates' writing process and her attitudes towards writing and life by seeing what she has to say in her journals. Stick around. I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our guest today is John McKenna, come up from New Jersey all the way to Vermont to record this podcast. He's the author of the book Sessions from Red Dashboard Press, and he's a member of the New Hope Beat Poets Society, a group that meets monthly, sponsors poetry events, and has a stated mission to write, laugh, and be merry. Hi, John. Glad you could be here. Charlie, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much. So, um, I have to ask, since you remember the uh, New Hope Beat Poet Society, uh, how do you see the influence of the beats today? The influence of the beats on you, for that matter? I think, um, when I think about the beats, how I came to them uh, academically, and then the connection that I made backwards. and um, Through a survey in American literature when I was a junior in high school, um, the book sessions is actually dedicated to that teacher, Diane Kunzel. Uh, the class was extraordinary. We started with uh, the, the earliest part of America, uh, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, uh, and went all the way up to and through the beach. So this American survey brought you from Plymouth to North Beach, right? <laughs> and Manhattan and all the points in between. Um, we went through Whitman, of course. And I'll hold Whitman in my left hand for the moment. And then later, when we got to Kerouac and Ginsburg, right, the, the formality of the beats. And over time, I looked back and said, to me, where's the architecture? Who blew the gates, right? Uh, and so often, beats, we, we know who they are from the, the Ferlinghetti and the Paul Bowles and, and the Kerouacs and such. But to me, the great gray beat wasn't Ginsburg. The great gray beat, right, the wizard uh, was the poet in Camden. I think Whitman... In my mind, in my spirit of style, kicking the walls down, breaking the windows, not only in the uh, craft of writing, his spirituality, his sensuality, and the subject matter, his compass, I think, pointed to where the beats continued to flourish. Um, And being uh, challenged... (laughs) uh, my poetry is uh, open architecture. So the beats have a place for me uh, as inspiration, but uh, just open architecture, the idea of enjoying poetry in whatever cadence it may come, that, that, that's, and the musicality of it, the, the true musicality of it. That's the beat that I hear. Yeah. If, if a person thought they wanted to write beat poetry, what would they probably most need to do or, or to learn to do or learn about? Uh, they might have to change their whole personality. So as not to parrot or mimic, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Emerson said, uh, 
to believe what is true in your own private heart is true for all persons. That is genius, right? Whoa, say that again a little more slowly. <laughs> <laughs> to believe what is true in your own private heart is true for all persons. That is genius. A person comes to a point in his or her life where they realize that imitation is death. So read it, enjoy it, and forget it. So that when you are writing, it is a party of two. It is you and your muse. So whether I like Stephen Crane, mm -hmm. whether I like Kim Adnizio, whether I love Miss Emily, right? With poets, uh, poems, and baskets, and flowers being, you know, out the window, down into the garden. <laughs> I forget all of that when I'm writing. So the beat that I'm talking about isn't Kerouac and isn't Ginsburg. It is the opening of the window. It is the curiosity of the unknown. To me, that's the only dimension of beat. Yeah. To go where your compass, where your ear, and to be able to actually listen for the different voices of the muse. Because she will come on white wing, and sometimes she comes on black feather. And if she wishes to be dark, accept her. If she wishes to be light, accept her. But mm. do not edit in the creative process. Bear yourself. So to me, that's, that's the yeah. essence of beat. All right. Yeah. You thought about this. I love that. <laughs> it's just chatting amongst friends. This is, you know, this is the dialogue. This is what the New Hope Beats do and, and my other friends that they're, they're excited about the idea of creativity irrespective yeah. of what discipline. Dancer, writer, painter, yeah. poet, musician. You know. Cool. Well, let's hear a poem. Okay. Um, this is from Sessions. Um, and, of course... The poem is titled The Beat, sticking with this, this right. kind of this theme for the moment. Sure. The Beat. You can hear it somewhere out there, above, beneath, beyond the beat near flash panned Mardi Gras, horns ripping the purple night, shredding the curtains, letting the window wide wind in, in and in, close to the doom, 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 of the big man bass fully erect yet leaning back like some teed-out cat, still searching, reverberating in wisdom-drenched laughter, sneaking up from beneath the rattlesnake on fire, writhing atop of the snare drum, while a cobra call, cymbal brushes glide, still, lightly, and light, beside the of the certain and neat, Hi-hat, the near-perfect and a punctuation exclamation right in the middle of the phrase, connecting, almost in the keys, man, glistling, gliding, riding, over top and tiptoe like the feet of Fred Astaire, up and down the white and black steps, the brush just touch like feather, sweep, sweet, side to side sway, Gene Kelly, from side to side, when then and there beneath the stomp to pedal and hold, repose, and pop again finger water rain on the little keys of this kingdom on this piano, too big to get in the gin joint and up these stairs, how the hell are we going to fit that all on this little stage in the corner? With the beautiful shine like onyx, baby, it's you, it's beautiful you, singing baby grand, 
Somewhere behind the beat, somewhere there in a single note, a voice that brought it all, whisper sometimes, howl, alive, she cried. We was together, and the beat took all the trouble, and like a child, threw it into the air like confetti for us to scramble up and tease a tune night after frightful and dangerous blues jazz night. Round and round it goes where it stops. Shit, we knew that too. Right here again at the bottom beginning of it all, the last place that light and color was seen and we, mad driven in the scene, scrambled down the rabbit hole, chasing a hair and a waistcoat with a pocket watch like a hipster pimp with feet too big for spats and a young blonde girl with dress, the color, of sun-lit lavender. Dream, still dreaming. One, big, within a dream. Yeah, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Now, were you up uh, late at night sifting something and listening to music when this came to you? Or what was that? Yeah, um, late at night, yes. Uh, I write throughout the day, morning, noon, and night. Hmm. Uh, but absolutely, this this, this music uh, came at night. Um, maybe one, maybe not. It's not a necessity to the creative process. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have a relationship. Um, I don't listen to music. Uh, typically when I'm writing poetry, I don't want anybody else's rhythm or cadence or beat. I want my own. But earlier in the night, mm. Absolutely. And uh, still being a complete novice to what is jazz, uh, absolutely, I will listen to jazz to kind of stimulate, uh, as well as classical, mm-hmm. to find. And uh, it's interesting just how that starts to percolate. And then I can turn that off and just, again, sit yeah. in the kitchen, open the window, and uh, see what comes yeah. of it. But it's fun. The, the, the pace at which the poetry comes through the window is so fast, Charlie, that I just transcribe. And then I take a break and I look back at it. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, I get to discover all over again what's here. Because this is not of uh, tremendous uh, pain of craftsmanship. It is spontaneous. And to me, that is elementally needed for my work to be in the moment. Of course, there's some touch-up a little bit thereafter, but not a tremendous amount of editing and craft. It needs to be authentic to what it was when first I experienced it, heard it, or thought I heard it. Yeah. So you are pretty close to first thought, best thought. Yes. everybody revises. Come on. We know that. (laughs) Absolutely. And and there's certainly certainly a place for that process, Uh, but I do intentionally and very intentionally say this was the work and I need to be true to it mm. so I cannot bring it to a place that is unrecognizable yeah yeah alright that works yeah. <laughs> it's nice to hear poems that have such an emphatic beat thank you I think you know it's just a fun thing to do do another one yeah okay we're gonna stick with uh, the music okay uh, and you tell me if you can guess who we're writing about here <laughs> oh. uh, who's that cat with the horn hey who's that Who's that cat with the horn? Who is that, you ask? Who is kind of blue and kind of royal purple, huh? Huh? Who on the corner right there, right now, right close? Not but a blink away like the sky so wide open, ever expanding, expansive, standing, commanding. Who? Who is that studying at all, man? Standing head up and down, beat up, beat down, beat to beat, beautiful. 
smiling anywhere, everywhere behind that good silver cup chalice, poured, shared, and sure, yeah, who the hell is that zip-crack cat all lit up in the middle of it all, the center of it all, how now and it and all, taking, token, snaking, smoking, giving, getting, looking, leering, leaning, and lift, leaving the scene and the ground without even moving his feet. Who is that just right, night-tight, silent way, in person, in tune, instrumental, insatiable, indescribable, instantaneous, and immortal, close and closer still, yet the outreaching magnificence, oracle and seer, shaman and sage, martyr and mystic, music man and muse on wind and black hawk wing, that man, that man there must have listened to everything, body and note, heard everything, body and note. Needed to follow no one, chose to find, follow, find the beat, the good beat, the new beat, the beat. He is it. Cat creme brulee, rip tip at the top, pop, top, slow out. Gone, man. In some smoke, blue in milk, with silver streamers, ascended surrender bow when he slowly lowered his head over his horn, like Buddha in Chesser Grin Jazz Club Corner Trio. Come up, and eyes wild, new, bright, radiant. He was in the horn now, and the horn was in him, and the beat, the beat had them both. The beat was playing through his blood, bones, lungs, lips, fingers, in uninterrupted lines, with that silver wand magic wind machine, white, black, silver, blue, mace and magic. That? Who is that? Who is that cat with the horn? Who is that? That baby. That baby is Miles, baby. Miles. That youngin is Mr. Miles Davis. Miles motherfucking Davis. Pied Piper of the Night Delight. But be careful now, because he knows all about it. <laughs> now, now, John, I gotta tell you, you, you told me before we started recording that um, you don't get a tremendous rush out of doing poetry readings. It's not like the meaningful thing to you is to write the poems. But at the same time, John, I got to say, I I really like your poems a lot better when I hear you read them (laughs) than when I just read them myself from the book. So um, you you just can't do justice to your work if you're not out there tolerating the readings. Well, I'm doing it. But then again, you don't get the kind of energy because you're not having a good time. So, <laughs> well, you're kind to say so, and and others have been very supportive of that, uh, and that's why I do it. Uh, I told you that my moment, my creative moment, is in right yeah. in, in, in the poem, but the community of arts and the joy of sharing, um, yeah. I do enjoy it. And folks are very kind in their uh, encouragement of reading and yeah. hearing the different, um, either the music or in darker places or quieter places. Yeah. Or you want people to appreciate and be impacted somehow by the poem. Yeah. I mean, just in addition to the pleasure of just doing it. Yeah. And so it just makes that happen more yeah. when you're out there presenting it well and, and emphatically and, you know, using your voice, yeah. having varied things, you know, the, yeah. the things that some of the slam poets have not learned is that, you know, 
if it's all loud, it's no good because that's a monotone. Yeah. And if it's all quiet, it's no good because that's a monotone. Yeah. So, you know, it's got to be realistic uh, emotionality in the voice. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and, and that really works. Thank you for that. It, yeah. uh, it is fun to be in the community of artists. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. To, to read your own words and watch someone react. Love or hate the reaction, right? Just the, um, it's the sharing. And, and since so much of the work is uh, a private affair, right? Yeah. Uh, and I spend so much time alone, uh, it is nice to be out in that community and then have folks uh, react and respond yeah. and, and uh, where, where they are encouraging, uh, that feels nice. No, I will tell you, I'm so cool. I knew it was Miles because you said kind of blue. <laughs> That's right. But that was the big hit. Other than that, it could have been any other one. I don't know. Some dude playing a horn, you know. But kind of blue was a very helpful uh, tip there. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's quite extraordinary, as are so many others. Yeah. It's, uh, it's... We were talking before a little bit. Uh, and it's the it's the convergence of of different disciplines of art. You know, as I look at yeah. a, a painter, what do I see? I'm a writer, so I'm connecting one visually to the colors, to the palette, to the size of the canvas. But I'm looking at it, you know, content wise yeah. and drawing in uh, literary. You know, what yeah. what does this this mean to me? Uh, so jazz just is a, is another place that I'm listening, and uh, it's a narrative, right? It is yeah. certainly a narrative. It's wanderlust and it's return. And to me, that beauty, uh, back to the beats, the wanderlust and then return to center, this yeah. private affair of being an artist necessitates uh, you to be you yeah. with yourself. Yeah, I was going to say, you mentioned uh, when we were talking the wanderlust element, how that's uh, important and important part of you now, wanting to get out, yeah. get in the world. Yes. But then you come back and write about it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and bring that journal to wherever it is. For, for sure. years commuting to New York uh, for my job, I would write on the train. And Manhattan was the first poem that I ever wrote. It was my observations, day mm. in and day out, of the diversity of that beautiful city and the sounds and the smells, and sometimes yeah. crushing, sometimes elegant, all of it, that I didn't need to do anything but open my journal, sit, and look and listen and the poetry unfolded yeah uh, so the wanderlust to get there uh wherever there is yeah and then to bring your you know your 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 palette your brushes your your, your pen your pencil whatever it is whether you're yeah. going to sketch draw write sing um it's yes yeah. It's it's out there. It's it's right there. We just we just gotta get out there. You don't even have to it make is, it up. No, you don't. It'll come to you. It's right there. It's it, it, it's open architecture, and it is being aware, um, truly aware, slowing things down enough to be present, mm-hmm. and with that, the voices that may be a little bit distant. Uh, even in a train car, uh-huh. can be heard by the ear. Yeah. Uh, the, the the sound of yeah. that train car itself breaks. Don't become background annoyance. What are they? They have some musicality. So it's it's being present where wherever we we might be. It was like at the Rubin Museum over the weekend. They've got this exhibit on sound mm. and how it fits into Buddhism. And as you're wandering around the museum, there's this constant almost silent 
kind of drony thing. It really, really was interesting. And it was making the background, what would be background, more foreground because it calls it, you know, it's called to your attention that it's there. Yeah. Just amazing. So many songs. Yeah. Um, we all hear the birds chirping in the morning and we know that. Oh, yeah. Uh, last summer I shared with someone um, at night. Mm -hmm. They sing again. And in my poem, the, the birds are facing the west now that the sun is setting. And they are singing their gratitude for the yeah. day that was. But to there as well, there's so much visually, sound, smell. Um, yeah. it's, it's easy to be a writer if you're a looker and a listener. If you pay attention, huh? Yeah. Mindfulness. There's a guy up here who does a workshop on mindfulness and writing. And he's right on, you know. I'm going to read the first poem from the book. All right. Uh, and intentionally first and intentionally titled um, the book is divided into different sessions mm. which take you different places uh, the new sessions this is the first poem in the book invitation I'll be dreaming tonight you might you may just find me there above the water barefoot quick gliding like Peter warm wander wink Whistling like lazy huck along the river. Poised, proper, posture perfect, patient like young Gatsby, still waiting in the summer soft-lit gazebo. There and beneath the willows in white. Mm. That's a nice moody poem. <laughs> it... Uh, it's the homage, if you will. The book is dedicated to Diane Kunzel, who was my high school English teacher. And so much of English uh, literature uh, was a gift. Uh, but this plays into that idea of the Peter Pan and the Hook Finn and the Gatsby and uh, these stories yeah. uh, again and again and, and, and where they have a place in my narrative, where they have a place in my experience, mm -hmm. where... Um, literature became um, real for me um, and these characters and yeah. just a few but a way to thank her um, and an invitation and saying if, if, you're, if you're kind enough to go for this journey I want to invite you to a couple places that we can yeah. wink and smirk and smile together <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. yeah drink right and be merry that's right that's right <laughs> The book says, I believe in wine, women, and song. That's and, right. Uh, you said that. Yeah. I do. <laughs> well, we got time for one more, so let, let's, okay. let's use our last bit of time for another poem. Okay. Well, then I'll read the last. Oh, okay. Uh, the last That's... poem in the book, um, which is in the North Beach Sessions, and it's called On Russian Hill. There you find yourself, yourself, if you know to know. There again, beneath the new chrome metallic glistening night, breathing, healing heaven, 
whisper and wishing, rubbing your hands together near the trash can fire, quick to coat pockets of Chesterfield in a Zippo. A favorite gift to you, from you, to you, from then, of once ago, pawn shop. If you had only been James and knew who Uncle Benny was, and why congratulations were in order years and years and years ago. Wondering again about them now, you offer and share a smoke with the new old, new old, always friends, brothers and sisters, listening to the pops, crack it, snap, psh, as the wood shatters, burning within the trash can, casting, hurling, birthing new stars, straight and sometimes sideways, up and out to brief fly, flight and exhaust on sidewalk, collar and cuff of this, this little huddled new-made tribe. Two bottles pass around, arriving to you at the same time, rare. The wine is red, 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 Rioja, and Malbec, you slug and pull from one and then the other as new wine is made there in your mouth, across your lips and tongue and throat, and warm deep while spilling just a bit, laughing not alone and more laughter, passing with joy and certain generous grateful hold of hand, pass to another, each other sharing. Folks, just wanting to stand a little closer, hug and kiss a little longer as night drapes, drenches, and drinks us, christening and anointing each in silver, platinum perfection above apricot and wild rose-colored fire made in tribute and soon and so and so. Are you in the Bronx tonight? Are you sleeping in Spanish Harlem? Sunnyside, maybe? Down on Astoria Boulevard, the east side, or praying away in Camden? Or have you flown, flew further west still? Again, Chicago? Again, East St. Louis? Or again, there rising on the mountain, on that great gray and green-garbed Denver? Have you laid your blanket down in the mission? Are you there in Fillmore? Just look a ways up, north. Do you see that new fire? We are waiting for you on Russian Hill. And no one is going anywhere until you and Dawn Breeze please kiss us. Not goodbye, not so long, but only good God Gaia morning. And then we'll wander down to along the wharf and find coffee and share, read the newspaper together. Quiet. And in love, each one of us with the other. And know this. Oh, a lovely way to end. Thank you, John. Charlie, thank you so much. This is an absolute pleasure. You're listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter. We've been visiting with John McKenna all the way from New Jersey. to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, your host. We are now going to look into the working process and some of the attitudes of a very successful and prolific author of best-selling novels and poetry, Joyce Carol Oates. About a year and a half ago, 
I had the opportunity to hear Joyce Carol Oates give a reading at the Poetry Foundation of Chicago. I'd read some of her novels and liked them. There were others I started and didn't finish, and I'd read her poetry, which I did like. I knew she's a good poet, but I went to the reading with no major preconceptions. I left the reading with a much greater appreciation of how likable she is and how funny she can be. Recently, reading The Journal of Joyce Carol Oates, a book that covers a decade from 1973 to 1982. I learned a lot more about her that I found interesting, and I want to share with you right now. I'll do it by using some of her own words. I'll begin where a lot of her critics begin, wondering how she can be so incredibly prolific. It turns out she is not a deranged, driven character who only knows how to write. She leads, or tries to lead, a very normal, quiet life as a suburban wife and professor when she's not writing. She's never been motivated toward motherhood and has no children. However, she is passionately in love with writing. Based on the journal, I'd say the great humanistic psychologist Abraham Maslow would be delighted to know she embodies a concept that was very important to him. She appears to transcend the work-play dichotomy. When she's in the middle of a big novel, she can't wait to get to her desk to continue. For her, getting the writing done is one of the greatest forms of pleasure that life can offer. This basic statement says a lot about how she is so productive. Love, friendship, art, and work. These are my values. My poetry therapy friends and any thoughtful writers will appreciate another thing she said that helps explain her high level of motivation to write. One can never come to the end of the exploration of the self by way of language. I think many of us can completely agree with that. An element of her work is the constant exploration of the human psyche, including her own. Despite her huge success, she's very human, she has self-doubts, and continues to question herself and the act of writing. For instance, here are some words of advice to writers. The secret of being a writer, not to expect others to value what you've done as you value it, not to expect others to perceive in it the emotions you have invested in it. Wise words. She even questions the entire enterprise. Listen to this. Why write at all when no one or virtually no one cares? And if, as I've done this morning, I type and type and type a single page over until in my lunacy I believe I have it perfect, who among even my admirers will notice A statement like that comes from her phase in the writing process that she finds agonizing. The early stages of a big novel. As she tells it, the process goes like this. First, there's a notion of the idea of the novel. Then there's a period when she struggles and waits to find what feels like the proper voice. Until the voice comes to her, she is miserable while knowing there's not a lot she can do to speed the process. When she finally gets the voice, the main character and the point of view, she feels right 
with moving into the period of fleshing out the novel. And to hear her tell it, this is the blissful time. The time when she can't wait to get to her desk and continue. Several points in the journal, she mentions how much when she's in the middle of writing a long novel, she wishes it would never end. Now that her character exists, she hates the thought that the process will end, the novel will be written, and she will not be able to spend days and weeks and months with the characters she's created. Meanwhile, particularly during that stuck period before the voice is discovered, she's productive with shorter genres like poetry, short story, reviews, and the rest. So there you have it. Some insights into a successful and very prolific author from her own pen. The book is called The Journal of Joyce Carol Oates, 1973-1982. It's edited by Greg Johnson. It was published in 2007 by Echo. At around 550 pages, it may not be for everyone, but I'm sure some of you out there will find it an interesting source of insight and inspiration. I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter-Mundley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetryspokenhere. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetryspokenhere. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com. <laughs>